the popularity of podcasts and the industry itself is exploding and expanding at a rapid rate. According to our friends over at LinkedIn, the podcast market size was estimated to be approximately 20,737.61 million in 2021 and is expected to expand at a compound annual growth rate of 29.93% during the forecasted period and is expected to reach 99,763.81 million by the end of 2027, which obviously shows validation in the process and the medium itself. Meanwhile, a new study conducted by podcast production company Lower Street in collaboration with content performance analytics company Context FX, it found that podcasting in their research can be an effective tool for entrepreneurs to grow their respective businesses. The research found that over half of all business owners are podcast listeners, with 55% of them already considered to add podcast listening as a part of their daily routine. All of the statistical gold is great news for my friend Tracy Hazard. She's a seasoned media expert who has participated in over 2,600 interviews from articles featured in Authority Magazine, BuzzFeed, and her Inc. Magazine column, not to mention her own podcasting ventures, which include The Binge Factor and Feed Your Brand, which, by the way, is one of CIO's top 26 entrepreneurial podcasts. As the CEO of Podetize, along with her co-founder and husband Tom, Tracy brings diverse views as to what works and what doesn't when it comes to marketing media from thought leaders and industry icons. Hazard is helping to redefine what it means to deliver and sustain a authentic and meaningful marketing media message. She's worked with athletes, some of the top brands in all of the country, and some of the most successful entrepreneurs around, all in an effort to crystallize your marketing media message and make sure it's sustainable and delivered to the masses and hazards. Join me this week to have an in-depth conversation all about media marketing, podcasting, and succeeding in 
business and life. I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation. Great to see you too. So excited to be here, Kevin. Absolutely. Now, you know, uh, Tracy, I know that you work as an influencer strategist to help brands, celebrities, athletes, and companies alike re really elevate their brand and really come up with a presence they can be proud of. So I'm wondering if you can tell me what makes you so fabulous and why you love what you do. You know, I'm fa I'm fascinated by how people show up in the world. And I really believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you can make sure that that one thing you can show up for the world in, whether it's your social channel, your YouTube, your podcast, your blog, whatever it is that you're going to show up in there, I want to make sure that you're showing up your full potential self. And that's my ultimate goal for all the brands and all the people I work with. Yeah, absolutely. Tracy, I wanted to ask you about social media consistency because, you know, a lot of people uh, can find social media to be fun, to interact with, and to communicate with people. But if you really want to build a brand from a social media perspective, being consistent is imperative, isn't it? It's pretty imperative in everything I've ever found. The one thing I can say is if you're consistent and constant, just like when you were a kid and you used to have to like turn in your homework, right? The one thing that you have to do has to be consistent about that and put your name on it, obviously, right? So let's put our name on something and let's turn it in. Let's show up for the world. That is exactly what the world wants. Everyone wants to reward someone who shows up for them. But more importantly, in the social media world, it's an algorithm. It's a computer. It's a bot. It's an artificial intelligence. And it doesn't want to not have something show up on time. It needs the data input. So it craves it. It wants it. It rewards it. So everything you do in the digital world if you do it consistently and constantly, you're going to get a 10 times better result than someone who's inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. And Tristan, tell me, what if it goes into crafting an, an original and authentic brand message? It's a voice. It starts with your voice. If you can't articulate what's so great about your company, what's so great about what you do, you're going to have a difficult time crafting any message out into the world. Because what we want is to hear continuity in the story. Why did you start this? Why are you doing it? How does it benefit me? But 
it starts with how does it benefit me? So you're always have to be thinking of not how I believe my brand is, but how someone receives that brand. And that's why we have brands that fall really flat. When they get really corporatized, we don't love them anymore. When they had personality, when they had energy, we loved them more. So the goal in a message is to pull that energy all the way through that. And that usually starts with the original founders or the people who rave about it. One or the other. You can work from either side. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tracy, I want to share just a little bit about myself and my next question to you. So, uh, Tracy, I really uh, adore podcasting as a way specifically to uh, communicate and interact with people. So I'm going to tell you a quick story before I ask you the question. So Tracy, at uh, the age of nine, I actually found out that I wouldn't be able to walk uh, for the duration of my life because of the severity of the cerebral palsy I was born with. So I use podcasting as a way of to socially connect with people and uh, to really uh, emphasize the importance of inclusion and diversity of message and thought. So I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how do you think podcasting can open up uh, avenues of inclusion for everyone to get involved? So one of the things that I love the most about podcasting is that the algorithms aren't that good yet. Like, and, and and it's been over 15 years and they've not improved. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're gonna. And that's the wonderful part about it. It means that if you have a message, you have a voice, you're making connections, you can succeed whether you start today or you started a decade ago, 800 episodes ago, like you did. It doesn't matter when you start. It matters that you do start that you share your message, you share your voice, you share your perspective and vision on the world because the world needs your message. And there are people out there waiting to find you. And that's the other part about podcasting that's so great. It's not a push media. The person who pays the most doesn't win. It's a media that says, I have a deep-seated need to learn something. I want to hear about conversations about diversity and inclusion. Who can I go to to find that? Where can I go? And when I type that in the search engine, I find all kinds of options thrown up at me, and I can choose what sounds most interesting to me. So it's a pull media. And that means that the recipient, the person who's listening, has chosen you. That's a deeper connection right there. I chose to give you my time. And that's more powerful than me pushing it in your face on social media. Well, time is money, isn't it? Yes, it is. Absolutely. I'm trying to just building on that part of our discussion. I'm, I'm curious to get your thought, thoughts on the concept of allyship as it relates to acceptance and really bringing in a group of people So I think it is one of the most critical things because what we don't want to have is boring podcasts, right? And if it's the same every single time, if we're interviewing the same type of person, look, I have a show called The Binge Factor and I interview podcasters 
it could get really boring fast. They'd say the same exact thing if I only interviewed all real estate podcasters or all podcasters who were female, right? It would get very boring quickly. So diversity in our process also needs to happen as a pro- as a podcaster. Our topics we choose, the guests we choose, our audience craves that. It's what they're looking for and they will reward us for that. And in doing so, I think you have to have intention as a podcast host. Who do I want to invite on my show? Because who do I want to hear a perspective of? Who do I want to learn from? I'm always curious. And if we come from that point of curiosity, inclusion, diversity, allyship, as you put it, will happen naturally. It is what we want as human beings. Yeah, and Tracy, being a veteran podcaster, I, I don't need to tell you that the importance of networking is so, so vitally important that I always call it the heartbeat or the lifeline of everything I do because I love connecting with people from an authentic perspective. So tell me, if you're in your opinion, what's the importance of networking and how critical it is for to run a successful uh, podcast what are your thoughts there so i'm an extrovert and i love the networking part right it, this I is i mean this is yeah. my joy right my joy is is starting to learn about others and learn about people and and get to your story and i'm going to remember it and i'm going to share it with other members of my network when they say i'm looking for a great podcast to be on oh i've got the show for you i've got the host to introduce you to So I'm always filing that away. It is a part of the value that people underestimate in podcasting because we have a very intimate connection right now on this show because we're serving each other. I'm serving your audience as a guest and you're serving me with publicity. You're giving me publicity for my show, for my company, for all the things that I bring to the world. So that's a reciprocal relationship that we've started. And the value of that in networking is so much higher than just going to an event and exchanging business cards. There's no energy exchange there. There's no value exchange there. This is very different on a podcast. And when people realize the power of it, they don't want to give it up. Yeah, I always tell people that podcasting is, is just like having a conversation. The only difference is we put a, either a microphone or a camera in your face and we press record, right? Well, and most of the time, I you know, I find that there are people who are hesitant about it. Like when I... When I first started podcasting, it was audio only. I didn't want a camera because I didn't want to have to fix my hair, you know? And so I always thought that that was like a little bit more than I could handle. But very quickly, once you start podcasting, you get very comfortable. You almost forget the microphone and the camera are there. You're in the conversation part of it. And that's powerful right there when because it creates a much more natural process and a much more natural conversation if you're not on stage, right? Like, and you're not looking at it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tracy, I know that you are one of the people, people for better or for worse, that has agreed to work with your husband. So good for <laughs> you on that. But I know that you and your husband, Tom, Look for ways to rethink brand innovation. So how do you think we can rethink brand innovation, product placement, and that sort of a thing? What are your thoughts there? 
So you know what? This is a diversity conversation. This is a perspective conversation. And so when Tom and I first met our very first day of art school, college, he and I became friends quickly, and we would converse about our projects, the products we were designing. I was designing textiles. He was designing furniture. And we would have conversations with them. And when I would say to him, yeah, you know, I don't think women want to buy that. He'd be like, why? Why wouldn't they want to buy my fabulous design? And I'd take a little bit of the wind out of his sails and explain why. And he'd be like, I never thought about that before. And that's really the problem. So much of our technology, so much of our products, so much of the innovation that happens in this world happens in a silo with a very small, similar team. And they don't understand the perspectives of the many, many consumers out there. It's why so many products fail. So many companies fail because we're not out there seeking diverse perspectives to inform our understanding. So over time, Tom and I have understood that that's our superpower is the fact that we can talk to each other, trust each other's ideas and get a diversity in thinking and change the way we innovate just from a shift in perspective on it. Uh, and tell me, what's the best part about working with your husband every day? Well, it's a high level of trust. Look, we have to trust the people we work with. If we can't trust them to do what they say they're going to do, if we can't trust that we're all on the same ride with the same destination, then we do have problems in our companies. We have to spend an inordinate amount of time building that trust. So because Tom and I have a high level of trust with each other, we've been married over 30 years and we've worked together 25 of those 30 years, we have this kind of conversation we don't have to have each time we have an idea or each time we want to further something. We know where we're going, we're on the ride together, and we trust that the other one's going to do exactly what's needed to help us get there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know that you're big into podcasting innovation specifically, and you've created a company and businesses for all sizes of systems of podcasting and spreading marketing messages and helping them grow. So tell me about your entrepreneurial spirit and So I have to say, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur. I considered myself an agency owner when I first started. We were product designing and we started our podcast as our own marketing vehicle within that. And pretty soon people would say, what are you doing? Your podcast is so much more successful than mine. You have 100,000 listeners a month and I have 100. What are you doing? And, And when I would tell them, they would say, hmm can you just do that for me? And here's my credit card. And so that's how Podetize, our company, was born. But it was really focused with the idea that we were helping business-to-business podcasts, not the entertainment-style podcasts, not your daily news show. We were really helping businesses learn how to use podcasting in a better way to get their message out, but also to achieve the ultimate results, whether it was larger networks, selling product, uh, selling their services, closing clients faster. We looked at it from a business perspective and not from a entertainment perspective. And it was just simply that shift in thought that made our 
site more innovative. We develop technology that lets you add ads in for your books, for your courses, for your own things, and not have to take outside advertisers. And we develop systems that made it easier so that you didn't have to do as much work editing and didn't have to do as much work on the production side of things so that it was really fit into people's businesses better. But it was really our perspective on podcasting that made it that way. We didn't come into podcasting from a radio background or a TV background. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Trisha, I know that you've got uh, plenty of experience being on podcasts and hosting them. And as you said, your, or your sweet spot is working with the business-to-business podcasters. So tell me how you think businesses can leverage podcasts to uh, take their businesses to the next level. And the second part of that question is, what do you think makes a great podcasting interviewer and interviewee? Those are two really good questions. So the first part of that is simply that in business to business, we need to have a longer conversation with people about our brands, about what we do. We have to nurture that relationship with them over time. So we... There's so much of marketing that is short-term, just put up a landing page, get the hit, put out a a short video, like send them emails and inundate them and get this in, but we don't have a conversation. And so why would businesses be shocked that clients don't think of them as long-term purchases? They think of them as something short, testing it out, and really low loyalty nowadays. It's because we're not working very hard on that relationship. Podcasting can change that. So it can be a lead to a relationship. It can be an ongoing nurture of an existing relationship. I podcast. I have a podcast that's just for my clients. It also does some lead generation, but it's just for my clients. I have a totally separate podcast that's for lead generation, lead relationship building. So thinking about how you want to use it matters. And so that's the first side of it. Then the second side of it is the great interview, interviewee, interview or being open. It's the same on both sides. If I want to just push my business, if I want to push sales, don't come on a podcast. There's no place for it here. The place here is to have a conversation and someone decide that they're interested in learning more about my services. Not for me to say, oh, you got to buy in. You got to, you know, you got to subscribe to Podetize. No, you've got to subscribe to the idea that maybe there's something there for you to explore further. That's it. This is a relationship we're building with the audience, with the host, with the guest. We're building them all the ways. And if we don't do a good job of that, then we're, we shouldn't be interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Tracy, I'm just going to uh, share a little something about myself. So I have been uh, podcasting uh, since, since about 2014. Before I did this, I hosted uh, a sports podcast with a few friends. Uh, from college, so throughout the course of the time that I've podcasted, I've created over 1,300 podcasts, whether they be uh, sports or business or news-related, um, and I always uh, find whether I'm being interviewed as a podcast guest or I'm interviewing someone like you, lived life experiences, 
make for a much better podcast conversation if you can uh, bring your lived experience to the table before you press record uh, on either your uh, uh, camera or your audio device. So tell me, how do you think lived experiences can help you build a better podcast and have better podcast conversations? we all want to hear stories. We all want to relate. Like it's, we're really seeking common ground with everyone. I may not have the shared experience of, of cerebral palsy in my family, but hearing your story helps me understand it, relate, have empathy. But I might have a, uh, a friend or a family member who is in a similar situation, just a different disease or something else is going on in their lives. And when I think that through, it builds a shared understanding through those stories. Those stories are essential. And we forget too often that, and I love the way you call them lived experiences instead of just life experiences lived, because that's what we lived this, right? And it feels inherently emotional to us still. And when we can touch on that, that is something so unique to being able to hear that. We don't read those po- those stories in the same way as we hear those stories. And when I hear it with the emotion in your voice, when I hear it from your perspective, it is a much better story than if I read it in a magazine and I read it in a newspaper. Very, very different. That connects right to my emotional center and hits me at a deeper understanding and progresses our relationship faster. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I believe that uh, podcasting and using social media can be a great way to sort of uh, advance your business forward, but for someone that may not be uh, comfortable with sharing uh, stories like you and I, but want to get into the podcasting game, but are afraid to express themselves, what do you think your message would be to tentative business owners who may be good at the business side of of doing the operational part of their business, but really don't uh, have any experience on the social media or podcasting side. What would be your advice to those people? So look, you are building relationships every single day. You are having conversations with your team members, with your clients, with your community members. You've probably had mentorship relationships where you've been mentored or you're mentoring others. There are so many things you can draw on that actually are very similar to this. If you look at it as having a conversation in podcasting, it's a little bit longer term. And in YouTube videos or video casting, it's longer term, right? I want to have a longer conversation, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever that is. I want to have a longer conversation there. In social media, it's giving a snapshot of it. So think of it like video versus photograph, right? Mm -hmm. Social media is giving a snapshot of that. And if you're not comfortable there, then don't worry about it. There are other people who can help you with it, number one. And number two, pick the one thing that you do feel comfortable with. So I'm always a big fan of start with one. Start with one platform, one social media area, one thing that you're ready to try next. So if it's podcasting, start with the podcasting. Then when you get comfortable with that, 
maybe add the video in. Try it on YouTube. Now you've got a YouTube channel and you're expanding it out. Take your time to do one thing, then do the next. Add on to it. Make it additive so that it isn't something that you have to do that takes away from what you previously did. Make sure it's adding to it in a really good way, building on the success that you've already had. But you don't have to take away from something or follow everybody else's rules. You really don't have to. I mean, there are some basic rules like, you know, we do have to set up our profile properly or Facebook will shut us down. But there are very few real rules to making connections. Yeah, you know, I always say uh, to people that, uh, you, you know, when we look at expectations, Tracy, I always say it's important to set your own standard of expectations because if you don't have a baseline that you want to aspire to from a personal perspective, it's hard to reach anybody else's artificial level of expectations, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Like, look, I mean, I think sometimes we set too high expectations for ourselves. Like we do sometimes need to mini size it, I say. So like set, let's set an expectation that is I am going to get on this microphone once a week for 10 minutes. I, I'm just going to practice if I need to. Then I'm going to say, I'm going to make an appointment and I'm going to talk to someone for 30 minutes for the next month. We can build on and expand these mini expectations of ourselves, deliver, give ourselves a little reward for, for, for showing up, for doing it, and then add the next thing. It's always really great to build on our successes for ourselves because then we can set more realistic expectations that aren't too low or aren't too high. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tracy, I'm a huge believer that laughter is the key uh, to success in life. So tell me, why do you think laughter is a key component to success in life? First off, we respond to people's smiles, right? And laughter is a great way to like draw that in and make me smile, right? So that is going to really help in your connection points on everything. But I always think of that as that if we're laughing, it means we're enjoying it. We're in the moment. When we're too cerebral, when we're too in our head about things, we don't hit that emotional center that makes us laugh, that makes us smile, that makes us enjoy things. And from that perspective, overthinking things doesn't really get a true authentic response. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Treasure, I'm curious to get your perspective on how do you think or how do you define creating diverse content that really draws on the need or importance of acceptance for all. So what's the definition of creating diverse content? So first off, there's too much of sameness in content. And we think that that's a good thing, but it's actually really not. Even if you look at the algorithms on Google, for instance. So these bots are looking for Yes, you want to be themed in an area. So maybe your theme is real estate or finance or business leadership, right? It could be any one of those areas. That's a theme. But it's looking for secondary topics, keywords. I started my very first podcast in something really niche and very narrow, 3D printing. 
But very soon we were known for 3D print filament, product design, uh, prototyping, copyrights, like all of the surrounding topics. So even if you want to think about it in topic area, those algorithms reward diversity in topics, in expansion of topics. It's the same for people. If we're not expanding our diversity in what we're interested in, in the stories we're hearing, the stories we're telling, the people we're communicating with, we are not actually going to find our shows growing in the way that we want them to. We're not going to find the algorithms rewarding us, and we're not going to find the listeners rewarding us either. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially uh, one part of my uh, success over the years is really building what I call social capital and building communities. And I know that podcasting and really bu building that social presence allows you to build that social capital. And it can also lead to long-term success. Can it? So tell me the importance of building Social, uh, social capital and your uh, thoughts there as well. So I don't want people to come away with social capital thinking it's your followers on social media. That's not what social capital is. Mm -hmm. Social capital is a community of people who got value from you and who's ready to give you value back. Think about that all along the way as, you know, you're building a larger and larger and larger community. Kevin's now a part of my larger community. And when I find something that I could bring value back to him, I'm going to do that. One of the best stories I have is back in 2009, I was very, very pregnant. Like, <laughs> this is my second child. And I was like a week away from delivering her. And my husband lost his job. And we didn't know what we were going to do. So we picked up the phone and we called everyone we knew who we had worked with in the past and said, hey, do you have a line on something, on a project we could be doing, on anything like that? They had, Some of them had no idea I was pregnant because, you know, so I didn't even tell them that part. But we just tapped into our social capital that we had built with all the people we had served and worked with. And do you know? Five days later, I was delivering. I'm on the table delivering my daughter, and my husband gets a phone call offering us a project. And that project turned into just a $10,000 short-term project, but that project turned into a multi-million dollar business that we started in product design and development, led to my podcast, led to this current business I have. It led to everything. Cascading and looking at that was all because... I knew how to tap into my social capital. And I knew that I'd serve that community enough that when we needed them, they were going to be there and bring us value back. Yeah, and, and Tracy, I've got a trio of questions left for you. And the first of those three questions, you know, Tracy, outside of hosting uh, this podcast, I also uh, work uh, with businesses to help them amplify the hiring of folks with uh, disabilities, but I also uh, do some motivational speaking and help uh, first-time uh, speakers really level up their business. So tell me, how much of an ally or an asset do you think podcasting can be to motivational speakers and to human resources professionals who may be looking 
for a new way to make their operations more inclusive. The thing is, is that so much today in event booking and all of those things is based on this idea that you can sustain an audience, right? I want to know if I'm going to invite you to talk to my company that you're going to deliver something good. A podcast is an exact demonstration of that. So one of the things that happened to me early on when we first started our 3D print podcast, it was we were maybe three months into it. We weren't very far in. We did a daily show. So we did five days a week. So we did have a lot of episodes, but we were about three months into it and I got offered a speaking event and they wanted me to come and speak on pricing 3D print designs. Like it was super geeky and like really niche topic, but they asked me to just give this, it wasn't a keynote. It was just a, a, a panel discussion. Uh, they had a bunch of panels and then they wanted one on pricing. And so I was going to give a solo presentation, but it was going to be like a 15 to 20 minute presentation. I went and did it. I had fun doing it. It was really great. In that audience was an Inc. magazine editor who saw me speak and said, I think you'd make a great writer too. Do you have an interest in doing this? I was invited to write a column for Inc. Magazine and I wrote it for 400 articles for four years. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been asked to speak on something. So it's as interesting for the speaking event planners to look for great topics as it is for great speakers. And so when you have both things combined and you're demonstrating that on your podcast, you are more likely to get a speech than just saying, hey, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a motivational speaker who can move an audience to do this. And I do it every week on my show. That's more powerful because you do do this every week on your show. And so that's more powerful. They know they're getting a known quantity when they bring you in and hire you. That's a big difference. And, and conversely, being a guest on multiple podcasts can also be a competitive advantage, right? Absolutely, it can. I look at guesting as important as my, what I used to do speaking. I speak four or five times a year right now, and I used to speak about 20. So... I supplement that with my podcast interviews. And the reason I do it is because I miss the relationship building, the network building from the events. So I use my guesting to build a bigger network. And I'm building it with you, with your all the people you've touched, and with your audience, right? That's what I'm trying to do is expand my network that way. But too many people lost after the pandemic the ability to do enough events, and they didn't find something to supplement it. And I think guesting is a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to tell you now that I know that you're a veteran podcaster, I'm going to keep you on speed dial, okay? <laughs> I hope you will. And I and I you have to come on my show. That is the other benefit, right? To being a podcaster is as I know that if I invite you on my show, you're you already get it. You know what it's like. So you're going to be a better interview guest than just someone who's being pitched to me. Absolutely. You know, uh, Tracy, I'm going to uh, uh, combine my last two questions because they're interconnected. So Tracy, I'm curious for you, what's the best part about living life specifically? When you look at your own personal and professional legacy, how do you think you want your legacy to be defined? 
I'm not looking for something that's like marquee or anything like that. Like my daughter told me the other day, my youngest daughter told me that I, I was famous because I was on YouTube. And I don't think that way at all. I think that if I have an impact, if you remember what I said here and you put it into practice and it has an impact on your life and it changes the course of what you do, even if it changes just like tiny little fraction of a percent of what you do, makes you more successful, you're going to pass that on. It is those ripples of impact that I am looking to have in the world. And so I have to keep dropping my pebbles in so that it will keep fanning out and will keep happening. And that means that I live a life in service. And that is what I'm always doing. I want to live a life in service. I don't want to sell you something. I want to give you something. Yeah, I want you to gain something from that. Doesn't mean that there's not monetary exchange in there. There will be eventually. But I want to make sure that I'm giving you something that is of value for you to pay for. It's all, I about, want, it's all yeah. about paying forward, isn't it? It is. It really is. And when I think about that, I think the more voices I can touch, the more people I can inspire to bring their voices out, I've created diversity in podcasting by doing that. The more people I can make sure they have access to the tools so they don't quit podcasting, the better off the world is. Because it's their messages that matter, not just mine. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just a quick look, podcasting is a great way to absorb information for people that want a less formal way of, of uh, dispensing or collecting information information as opposed to watching the news. It can be, and sometimes, a, a more upbeat alternative to collecting information, right? I hope it is. I mean, I think there's some, you know, some a lot of negative and anger going on in podcasting as well, just like anywhere. But you don't have to choose to listen to that. And that's something that is good. But I, what I do think is best about podcasting and about the way that we can consume it is that we can consume it at the right time for us, too. When mm-hmm. things are pushed into our feed on social media and we're already feeling anxious or upset or we just watched the news and something in the world upset us, that that feeds that anxiety and it can downcycle us very quickly. But in podcasting, I can choose when I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to go take a walk and I'm going to go walk my dog and put a podcast in. That's a good time to be receptive. And it, I'm going to want the right type of message at that time, too, which is hopefully positive and hopefully uplifting and changing the, you know, my perspective on the world. Those are all going to be, I'm going to be in a better place to accept that message. Well, the good thing about diversity in podcasting is it keeps every a podcaster in business, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. We want, you know, this is the thing that people think, oh, there's 3 million podcasts out there. There are only 300,000 podcasts that are consistently and currently posting weekly. So that means that there's only 1% out there that is worth listening to because on top of that, there are people like you who've done 800 or more episodes That's 0.2% of the overall marketplace. Those are the people putting real valuable messages in the world. And we have to look hard to find them. So when we find them, we're not going to let go. We're going to listen to everything they have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
Tracy, I could talk to you for another two hours or so, but I got, I got a conversation there by asking you to tell me if people want to get connected with the great work you're doing, what's the best way they can do that? Well, I am everywhere on social media because my podcast is. Uh, but I really think if you want to touch base with me and you really want to have a conversation with me, go to LinkedIn. It's the one place that I actually do converse with people myself. I will have private conversations with you in chat. I will comment. It's the one place that I actually don't let my team do all of it. They do do some of my posting, but I don't let them do all of the conversations in there. And it's the only place on social that I show up. But if you would like to find me. You can find our company, Podetize. We have so many different services. We have free courses and tips and all kinds of things out there. Our, we have over 400 episodes about podcasting. If you're interested in our two podcasts, Feed Your Brand and The Binge Factor. So there's plenty of content out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from one veteran podcaster to another, my friend, I really enjoyed our conversation about podcasting business life and everything in between. I really respect the work that you're doing to move the needle of progress forward. And Tracy, I look forward to returning the favor by being a guest on your podcast. But for now, I wish you a good day and thank you for engaging in conversation with me. It's been most delightful and I want to thank you for being here. Thank you, Kevin. I am so pleased to be on your show, but so pleased that your voice is being heard in this world.